This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. I was a uh, slave to sin. And how I articulate sin is simply, sin is us separated from God. Nothing more and nothing less. I have kids so I can talk over kids. You're fine. But if you understand what sin really is, simply sin is what separates us from God. You are, people say, called to a relationship with God, not a religion. But people say that flippantly. They say, oh, I'm in a relationship but not a religion. But that doesn't mean you could do whatever you want to do. I have a wife, a lovely, beautiful, bright, super fine, hot, brilliant wife who I love to hold and squeeze and be with. Thank the Lord for my wife. Now, I could talk about my wife from now until about 2 o'clock and keep going after that, but then you would get tired and leave. But the point I'm trying to make is my wife and I have a relationship, and I can offend my wife, upset my wife. My wife and I can sleep in the same bed, yet not touch each other. My wife and I can touch each other, but not be connected. Does anybody know what I'm trying to say? See, you're in a relationship with God. He said, these rules don't work. I could give you a book. I have this journal I have of my wife. I'm I'm a little, not paranoid, but this is what I do. I take notes on my wife, her habits her articulated fears, her failures, her successes, her desires, things she struggles with, things she's overcoming, dreams she has in her heart. And I go back every night to review those notes. Now, do I know my wife exhaustively? No. Do those notes help me in my relationship with my wife? Yes. But those notes in themselves don't represent my wife. We have a Bible. And in the Bible, there are detailed and really specific information about who God is, what he looks like, what he likes, how he responds, and what he, in a sense, responds very negatively to. But that book itself is not God. God is a personal being that has a personality. He has things he desires and things he don't like. He wants to spend time with you, to be close to you. He wants to love you, and he wants you to love him back. That's why we push here. Man, spend time with God. Pray. Get to know him. Because if you're not, in a sense, intimate with him, if you don't trust him, how can you really say, I know God? It's a relationship. And the things you do or praying or fasting or memorizing scripture or spending time with all those things help you get to know him better. That's all God wants, to know you, to know the insides of your heart. But there are a lot of things in this life that hinder us from knowing God the way we should. And when we don't know God, when we don't trust him, we do our own thing. And doing your own thing is what the Bible calls evil. Do you know, evil is not necessarily something, quote, quote, objectively sinister. 
all evil is, is what's opposed to God's will. God is ultimately good. God is ultimately love. God is ultimately holy. However, when we choose to do our will instead of God's will, we are straying into the territory of evil. So this whole life should be summed up in this one prayer Jesus made. Father, not my will, but your will be done. When I was in high school, I got really popular playing football. I went from, at one time, 77 pounds. I was four foot nine, and I got made fun of all the time. I had super curly hair, braces. My teeth were like this before I got braces, and they, they got fixed. I wore glasses. I still have contacts on right now. People made fun of me, and I was hurt. You say I was bullied? No, I don't know if I was bullied. I just wasn't who I wanted to be. I wasn't Superman, per se. But eventually, when I hit 16, I hit a growth spurt. And I went from like this little five foot one to six four in the summer. <laughs> People are like, what in the world happened to you? And then I started getting attention. People started looking at me. I thought it was hot stuff. At the exact same time, I gave my heart to God. Now, I gave my heart to God. I knew how to do the right thing, but I did not do the right thing because I felt so good because I was getting all the attention. I liked it because the young ladies liked to look at me. They didn't before. They would just laugh or they'd ignore me. Now guys were coming up to talk to me where I would sit behind by myself. Now I am the center of attention because I'm six foot three. Now, I'm probably weighed about 100 pounds, but that's another story for another day. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting attention. I feel good. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So I live my life like that for a while, doing what I thought just made me feel good. I, I just wanted to have fun. Now, I did good in my grades. I made good grades all throughout my years, but I strayed from God, hopelessly strayed from God until I hit what they say rock bottom. But during the times I was committing sin or indulging in things that made me feel good, not one time did I, in a sense, say, God, oh, I just want to love you. I never said that. Oh, God, help me love you more. I just wanted to feel good. Because the essence of sin is, you know what? I've placed myself above God. And I think I'm doing what makes me feel good. It seems like it's making me feel good, but ultimately, it did not bring me satisfaction. I developed habits based upon this mentality. And eventually, God really saved me or delivered me. But I had these habits that I just could not break. And over the course of time, Jesus Christ has delivered me from them all. But the problem is I had to persevere. I had to press in. I was not saved because of my own strength or power. I was saved because of the work Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. I trusted God. I never gave up on the fight once I really got it. I realized that God is fighting for me and through me so that he can help other people fight and be saved and be free for his glory. How did you get free from sin? I mean, what did you do? 
Did you fight? Did you say, okay, I'm not going to hang around these people. I'm not going to watch this stuff on TV. Oh, I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to listen to that. What did you say that helped you overcome sin? Or did you say, just like our current culture, well, wait a minute. I don't think I'm ever going to overcome it. So it's okay. This is who I am. This is a part of me. And because this is a part of me, I'll just deal with it. And people will have to accept me for who I am. Our culture has said, man, we're never going to overcome this. So since we can't overcome it, we'll just make it okay. They, our culture stopped trusting in the power of God. And because our culture no longer trusts God, we can't go to our culture for help or for redemption because our culture will not turn back to God. Our culture says, we'll figure this out on our own. We'll go to anything we need to go to. We'll learn anything we need to learn. But ultimately, we'll figure this out without God. I'm here to say today, God has only one way and one way alone that, we're fine, that we find freedom from sin. Oscar Wilde, anyone know him? He has a quote I wanted to read today, if you can. Oh, you can go ahead and come skip that. You can skip that too. Our normal uh, PowerPoint person I hear, that's why we're not in sync. I apologize. He says this, he says, you always be fond of me. This guy who's a poet, a scriptwriter. He considered himself a man who lived for his indulgencies. He said, I represent to you all the sins you never had the courage to commit. He lived his life saying, you know what? I want to do whatever makes me feel good. Died at 47. Some people say he died from syphilis. Other people say he died from an ear infection. But right before he died, someone asked him, all those people, this is what someone asked in Oscar Wilde, all those people you slept with, did you love any of them? He said, no, I didn't. See, when you're in sin, you're incapable of truly loving. When you're in sin, you're thinking about yourself. Every time I sinned, it was because either I doubted God or I was only thinking about me. But I never think about God when I want to sin. I never think about God when I think sin's the answer. I'm only thinking about me. But when God saves you, he changes your heart so that you can love him. And if you can love God with all your heart, then you can love others. And that is the fulfillment of the law, loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbors as yourself. If you can, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. And we'll go all the way down to verse 21. And we don't have a lot of time today, but my hope is that you all get into a small group. Small groups are awesome. Small groups help you kind of like um, contemplate or think thoroughly through some of the sermon topics we have today. I honestly believe that small groups are, will be probably one of the pillars of this church. We're starting off now with three, but if you want to get closer to your brother or sister in the Lord. If you want to find a new level of accountability or growth in God, try to make it to a small group on Wednesday. I have people come to me and say, you know what? I try to make it from Sunday to Sunday. And I'm like, you keep making it. I don't want to help you. <laughs> Go to small group in between there. It'll help you make it. It's for you. This is the unique thing about Endurance Church. I don't want this to be a church that lifts up the pastor. Like, oh, that's pastor, blah, blah, blah. Whatever my name is, this church is not about a pastor. It's about you. I believe we're all going to stand in front of God. 
and we're going to give an account of what we have done for God. Will God tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant? And God can't lie, so he can't tell you, well done, if you haven't done well. So it is my hope here to prepare you, to train you, to equip you to do the work God has called you to. And if you do the work God's called you to, we become a great ministry. Not because of a guy who can come up here and speak, who can talk about the Vikings or West Virginia grits. You don't even like grits. But because you heard God's call for your life, because you use the gifts, talents, all the skills God has given you in order to help make disciples, in order to help win souls, in order to help expand God's kingdoms. I believe if you stand out and do what God's called you to do, then homes will be made whole, hearts will be healed, emotions will be stabilized, dreams will be fulfilled, not because of this guy up here speaking, but because you heard the call and you took a stand. You did what Jesus called you to do. Romans chapter 7, let's jump into verse 21. This is Paul. He says, I find then a law. This is Paul. He's been wrestling with this law of God and this law of sin that's in his body. A lot of people go to Romans chapter 7 and they make a critical error and read Romans chapter 7 because most people go to Romans chapter 7 and they're Christians and they say, man, when I read Romans, I struggle just like Paul struggled. I got the same struggles Paul does. Look, I want to do right, but I can't. I want to see what I do, blah, blah, blah. Romans chapter 7 is for a Jewish man who knew the law but could not do it because he was not saved. And the point I said earlier, the law, is to make you say, God, I can't do this. I see the law. It's good. It makes sense. But in me, there's something that compels me to do the opposite of what I'm reading. Oh, God, help me. And that's the point of the law, to show humanity they need help. He says in 21 again, I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. He's like, man, I want to do good. Man, I want to do the right thing. I want to think honestly about other people. I want to have a pure mind and a pure heart. I want to handle money well and interact with people well. I want to do what God wants me to do, and I agree what God says to do is right. But when I get up to try to do it, not only do I don't have the passion to do it, I don't have the motivation to do it, but my gosh, my motivation and passion takes me in the opposite direction. Oh, Lord, help me. Verse 22, listen to what he says. This is Paul talking to the Roman church. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. That word delight there is peculiar. It actually means identify. He's like, in the inner man, I identify with the law. And I say it's good. This concept of inner man is revolutionary. Do you know that your outward body, it doesn't matter how beautiful you are, handsome you are, intelligent you are, skillful you are, this body is rented. We give this body back to the dust. And in glory, we are resurrected with a new body, with our real bodies. That's a tough concept to get. But these bodies are not ours. 
We're stewards of our bodies. We take care of God's property. And in glorification, we are given new bodies, bodies that represent who we are. So right now, yes, I'm not saying that your body is something that's not part of you. It is, but ultimately it's not you. The real you is on the inside. That's who you really are. It's called the inner man. And that's what we hope here at the church, that you take the time to develop your inner man. Because that's the real you. And that's the one who will be resurrected from the grave and given a new body that lasts forever. In verse 23, but in contrast to that, I see another law in my body. Warring against the law of my mind. What, what law is that in his mind? God's law. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my body. He's like, wait a minute. I'm seeing this. I see this pattern now. In my heart, I see God's law as good. In my mind, I recognize God's law as good. But in my body, there's something that just will not yield to God's law. I need help. I'm broken. And I can't get right. And this law, which I see as good, brings me into captivity with this law that's in my body. Verse 24, he comes to the, his epiphany. This is Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am. This is one of the hardest places to come to. When we sin or when we're outside of God, we compare ourselves to other people. And we say, my sins aren't as bad as that person's sins. Oh, that person, he or she did this. I'm so much better than they are because I didn't commit that sin. But the Bible says you're comparing yourselves to each other. Compare yourself to Jesus. That's how you know where you are. And if you're not on Jesus' standard, you're a sinner just like everyone else. That's why everybody, every single one of us must be humble about our walk with God. Because in God revealing himself, we realize we are falling, fall short of who he is. And we need his help, his grace, his strength and order to become more like him. It says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Almost done with this. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Does he say deliver me from the law of death? No. Listen to what it says. Who will deliver me from this body of death? These bodies have been corrupted since the beginning of time. If you wonder why people are dying, the Bible says because of sin. So we need a new body. I'm trying to whisper so Maximus won't wake up. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work. Okay. We need new bodies. I try to tell people, my gosh, don't you realize we're getting new bodies. I know your brain doesn't even, your brain just goes, that's how my brain did. New body, okay. That, that doesn't mean even register. Don't you realize this whole thing is about one thing. You getting a new body. That's eternal. That's everlasting. It's about that. That's the point of the resurrection. No religion outside of Christianity can answer that question. What's wrong with us? Why are we dying? 
Christianity hits that right in the nose and says we are dying because of sin. And the only way to get rid of sin is to kill it. And once it's dead, God will give you a new body without sin. Therefore, immortality becomes yours. Pray on that. This is what he says in verse 25. This is the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's like, this is the answer. Jesus. Jesus is the one who sets us free. Jesus is the one who makes us whole. It's about him. And because of Christ, I don't have to worry about struggling with sin, with not measuring up, because I know Jesus Christ won the victory, and my hope is in him, Jesus. Last verse, verse 8. This, I had to tie in verse 8 because I believe it actually concludes verse 7, I mean chapter 7. So I brought in chapter 8, 1 because I believe it concludes Chapter 7, let me say this, 25, I'm going to read verse 25 again. It says, I thank, excuse me, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with a the mind, I myself serve the law of God, contrasts with that, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And it looks like he's hopeless. He's like, you know what, I can't get out of this because as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to sin. That's why we don't judge people because as long as we're in this body, we are going to mess up. But then he says this in chapter 8, verse 1. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but who walk according to the Spirit. Father God, in a brief second I have, I already pray, I'm praying again, Lord God, I ask you to help me communicate clearly for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a message of hope. Have you ever been, any here, anybody here ever played a sport? Raise your hand. This is, yeah, okay. Anybody here play a sport and you were playing a team you knew you weren't going to beat? Anybody? And when you were about to play that game, how did you, like, feel? You felt, like, hopeless. And your coach came in and said, what? All right, ladies. All right, men. We can do this. And you're like, yeah. I'm like, I can do this. We can do this together. We can win. I'm like, man, I didn't even consider this. Like, we could really win? Well, no, 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 he's not. He's he just saying that because he's a coach. And the coach's like, no, Bass, get your man. And I'm like, oh, I'm challenged. Get my man. Why? Because if I get my man, we can win. Now, this is the beauty about Christianity. Your man, your woman is you. It's not the person in Iraq or down the street or the person on Pennsylvania Avenue. It's not the person in California. Your man, your woman is you. And you know who helps you win over you? Jesus. Jesus is the one who's going to win over you. He's going to win your heart. Spend time with him. He's going to win your mind. Read about him. He's going to win your emotions. Make yourself vulnerable to him. Jesus Christ is the one who wins over you. He's undefeated. He hasn't lost yet. But your challenge is, do you trust him? Do you love him? Is he good? Is he the man he proclaims to be in the text? 
Or is this just made up? Are these just some stories we're reading about? Or is true change possible? I know a lot of people say, man, I'm not that much of a good person. I'm like, nobody's good. Jesus said that. Jesus said, nobody's good but God. But when you have Jesus' heart in your heart, he calls you good because he's good. The question is, do you trust him? A couple things I want to make it. we're going to get out of here. What do you need to know? The law, excuse me, there is a law of sin and death within the flesh that we cannot escape from without Jesus. We live in a culture today that has given up on God completely. But you still win if you put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus Christ. It's called grace. God's grace is available to us all. How do I think about grace? Okay, my wife, she loves me. And my birthday is uh, past, but it'll come up again next year. A reminder of that. And every time my birthday comes, I get a gift from my wife because she loves me. I deserve that gift because why? It's my day, and my day is about me. And that day, I don't want to get out of bed. I want her to clip my toenails. I got pretty feet except for my pinky toe, dude. My, my pinky toes are horrible. I don't know what happened to those. Whose jeans back there are all, all of my pinky toes are bad. I got corns on them. It's just bad. But it's my day. I want her to take time with me and my feet. I want her to wash them. And when I put my shoe on my foot, I want it to feel good. I want to go, ah. Then I, I'm, I'm like a guy with, like, dead skin. And, like, oh, and if I don't put, like, castor oil on my legs, my legs will be horrible. So I walk around with castor oil on my legs. And, I, and there's only, like, certain places in my body that gets really dry. I mean, we're TMI, but I'm just trying to tell you, it's my birthday. So I want her to put castor oil, cover your ears, children, all over my being. See how I threw that in there? <laughs> it's my birthday. It's my day. Then I'm all sticky on the sheets, but it's my day. She's taking time with me. Now, that's not grace, because I earned that day. I made it 41 years. Next year is 42. Oh, get two bottles of castor oil. But this is grace. Next week comes. Just this next week coming up. It's not my birthday. It's not a special day. I walk into the bedroom, and there's candles that are lit. I'm like, what is going on? There's soft music playing. Nora Jones singing, come away with me. I'm ready to go with you, baby, wherever it is. Now, she's doing this not because I earned it. She's doing this just because she wants to do it. She's, she's lavishing her love on me. Not because I'm a good man. She's lavishing her love because she is a good wife. She's, she's taking time and thinking about me, so she's pouring out to me. Not because I was such a great husband that week, a great father, but because she's just a good person. God is pouring out his love on you. 
not because you earned it, not because you're hot to trot, smart. He loves you because he loves you, because he's a good God. You're not going to earn God's grace. Forget it. Just trust him and receive it. God wants to pour out his love on you. I mean, that's the God we have. We have a God that created all things and wants to love you. He wants to take you by yourself and love you. He wants to make you feel good and whole. He wants to spend time with you and show you how much he appreciates you. But just right now as I'm talking, as you begin to try to process this information, there's walls that go up. Wait a minute. Oh, I haven't been that good. I made these mistakes. I keep on falling. There's doubt. I'm unsure. That's the goodness of God. You don't earn this. You accept it. You have a God that's loving and he wants to pour out. He wants to lavish his love on you right now. You just have to let him. You're not going to earn God's love, but he's going to willingly give it. My challenge for you today, love him back. Trust him. Without Jesus, you can't be free. But with him, you can do all things. Why do you need to know this? So you understand how we find freedom. First part of our walk with God is what? Admitting the truth. The truth is we're all, oh, wretched person we are. All of us are off. All of us have sinned. All of us will make mistakes. All of us will at times get, let me tell you, I'm going to be honest right now. Let me tell you how my walk with God is right now. I consider my, myself a man of faith. I mean, whether I am or not, at least I consider myself that. But you me tell you why, how good God is? Every time I give up, he shows up. I'm not saying there's a Bible verse for that. There's not. Right when I'm like, God, I, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore, God. It's like, boom. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now, after the first and second time, I thought, well, this is just coincidence. But with God, there's no such thing as coincidence. So the third, fourth, fifth time, I'm like, wait a minute, this is really God. But let me just see. Then that seventh, eighth, and ninth time it happened, I'm really like, this is God. He's trying to stretch my faith. But it's not me. I'm not a man of faith. I'm a man who is completely surrendered to God's will. I have nothing else to go on. I have no abilities outside of God. I have nothing. But because of God, I can do great things. His love affirms me. His love makes me feel whole. Allow God to love you today. Because of him, you can find freedom. Get your freedom today. What do you need to do? Trust that Jesus can set you free. Trust him. He wants to set you free. I found out that once you find freedom, it's hard. It feels scary. To feel free doesn't always feel good because then it feels like there's some responsibility that comes with it. But the responsibility that is laid on you isn't your burden that you're alone to carry. God will help you carry that burden. Go out and get your freedom. 
How do you get it? Trusting Jesus. He died on the cross for your freedom. He was in hell for your freedom. He was resurrected for your freedom. He's on the throne right now interceding for you for your freedom. That's how you find freedom. And when you find freedom that way, do you know who gets the glory? God. I remember there were times when I was struggling with a, an addiction, an issue, a habit. And I remember saying to myself, I can't do this. There's no way. But then God, by his grace, set me free. I'm a, as they say, a testimony that God can set you free from anything. Is there a wrestling match that happens? Yes, there is. I'm here today to tell you there's a war that's going to go on. But he loves you. And his grace abounds. Question is, will you love him back? Why do you need to do it? So that you can be free of sin, its punishment, its power, and its presence. This is a theological statement here, everybody who understands theology. This is a theology right here. It's called justification, sanctification, and glorification. Because you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you're no longer guilty. Jesus Christ freed you from the penalty of sin. Now that you're on this side of the cross, God is freeing you from the power of sin. That's the process of sanctification. That's why we tell you pray and read the Bible and go to church and serve and help people. And through that process, God slowly sets you free from issues that you feel like you can't find freedom from. And then lastly, it's called glorification. There will be a day when sin and its effects no longer exist. When you're resurrected from the dead, sin will not be in existence. And the game's over. At that point, it's just about rewards, about all the things you've done for God. It'll be a happy day. So, how can I help you remember? Only Jesus can set you free from yourself. I said it better there. I said, only Jesus can free me from me. Only Jesus. If you try to find freedom outside of Jesus, you're not, you don't, you're not finding freedom. Only through Christ can you find real freedom. Because when you find freedom in Christ, the end result is you trust him more. When you find freedom in Christ, the end result is you're more loving. When you find freedom in Christ, in the end, he gets more glory. How did I find freedom? Jesus. You want to find freedom? Go to him. I just have words. I can pray for you. Maybe his power will go through me. But there's nothing I have outside of the power of Jesus Christ's cross. The Bible says it's through the foolishness of preaching. I'm a dude, are they okay, from West Virginia who comes to Minnesota to tell you about one thing, true freedom, not fake freedom. True freedom is accessible to us all. These aren't games. This is the reality. You can find freedom 
in Jesus. But you've got to trust him today. Last point. Your freedom is only a choice. It's only a choice. We've come to the end of the service today. My hope is this month I've challenged you to do one thing. Cry out to Jesus. If I had to summarize it all, that's the point. There's going to be times now you consider yourself saved and you're struggling. Cry out to Jesus. You're like, man, I can't do this, God. Go to him. That's the point. Go to him. But some people won't go to him. They'll wait. They'll delay. They'll say, wait a minute, I'll go to this person first. I'll go to this. And at last resort, at the very end, when all this stuff failed, I say, wait, I'll go to Jesus now. Go to him first. He's the one with the answers. Make that a habit. In Jesus Christ and him alone, you can find freedom. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Is there someone here today that you're not free from Jesus? You've been struggling and struggling. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's up, it's down. You can't seem to find freedom. there's someone here today that wants freedom in Jesus this is your day every head is bowed and every eye is closed no one's looking but God and the pastor and a couple people behind me that's it while every head is bowed but while every eye is closed if there's someone here today you're still in bondage Will you just raise your hand really briefly and put it down and we'll pray for you. You can find freedom. I see that hand. You want to find freedom is just a choice. While every head's bowed, just raise your hand and put it down and we'll pray for you. There's, there's someone here today, I see the hand. There's someone here today that you, you, you had freedom, but you turned around. You got tangled in the weeds. You can't seem to get out of the rush. See the hand. You want to come to the Lord. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's our only hope. If you want to come back to him today, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just raise your hand and put it down really quickly and we'll pray for you. Are you here? I see the hand. If you will, church, please repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Set me free from sin. Set me free from the consequences of sin. And help me to trust you. Come into my life. I repent of my sins. And I turn towards you, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you said that prayer a minute while 
we're still here today. If you will see this gentleman to my right and this young lady to my left, and we want to follow up with you. This is the difficult part. That you prayed, you raised your hand, but you're like, oh, no, dude, I'm not going to go up there for anybody. But let me tell you what, this is probably one of the most important parts. Why? Because this is the part that seals it. Our salvation is not a secret thing. It's a public thing. That if you're willing to trust God for your healing, then come see this gentleman to my right and this young lady to my left. And we'll wait for you. I know. I know. You may not get up today, but I saw you raise your hand. I know you did. It's okay. But is there one today that wants to come up? The reason why I want you to come up is we have materials for you. We have a class coming up for you called Alpha that we want to follow up with you. We have people who are going to want to come beside you, give you phone calls, pray for you, be there for you. We want to be a church like a gym. We want to be a church like, you know, you go in to work out. And there's this personal trainer there like, hey, let me take your vitals. How are you? How tall are you? What are you eating? What are you working out with? We want you to feel like you're getting personal care. We want to develop a plan for you to get stronger in the Lord, to grow in your faith. We want to be able to develop a plan for you to help you with the relationships you're in. We want to develop a plan to help you trust God. We're going to be a church that cares. A church that teaches you how to utilize endurance. So if you don't want to come up for other people, just, it's okay. We're going to pray and they'll still be standing here. They're still here for you. I'm still going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you again. Lord God, I ask you those who raise your hand, Lord God. They still have the courage to come up even maybe later on. But I pray, Father God, they realize they're now in your kingdom. They're now back with you. Help their hearts and minds, Lord God. Strengthen them. Give them the grace they need. In Jesus' name, amen. Small group is coming up, guys. Please get a hold of that small group. You're going to love small group. We have vittles outside the table. Some of our left vittles is a West Virginia word for food. There's some great people to your left and to your right. My hope is we're not a church like any church. We want black people. We want white people. We want strong people. We want weak people. We want all God's people. And we're going to work hard for that. It's going to be hard. It doesn't work like that normally. You're not comfortable going to a church that's not like you. But you know what? This man to your left, this lady to your right, they're your brother and sister in Jesus. And the world will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. It's my hope you fall in love with the person to my right, to my left. I don't care about race issues. That's this one, another issue. There's a lot of issues out there. Let me tell you what overcomes all this. Jesus, he won. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be grace to you. The Lord Jesus himself turn his face towards you. Give you peace. His name we all pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.